0: Tonight, under the twinkling stars, a magical gathering's
1: about to begin. You and I will wish upon a star. And sure as my name's Cricket, you'll see that wishes can come true. If you believe in them, that is. Folks here about say Brer Rabbit's
2: leaving home. I say he's heading for trouble.
1: Wayne, thank goodness you're all right. Is everything okay? Honey, I shrunk the audience. Stand by for final systems check.
0: And now, as long as you're all standing, we have a wonderful magic trick for you. Yeah, a wunderbar trick.
2: Everybody, face the door. And the trick is, we're going to make
1: you all disappear.
0: W. W Radio. You're
2: in.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 287 for the week of August 12th, 2012. I just returned from attending Destination D, 75 years of Disney animated features, presented by D23 at the Disneyland Hotel. It was a weekend... Filled with presentations by Disney artists and Imagineers such as Tony Baxter. Producers like Don Hahn, John Musker and Ron Clements. Disney legends, voice talents, fun, Disney history and lots more. And we looked into the future through sneak peeks at films like Wreck-It Ralph, Paperman, and Frozen. And we capped off each night with amazing concerts by Dick Van Dyke and Alan Menken. And so on this week's show we're going to recap the events and share our thoughts about the event as a whole. D23 and the future of D23 and their events in our roundtable discussion recorded live in Disneyland I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new question for your chance to win a Disney prize package be sure and stay for the announcements at the end of the show including updated information about our next WDW radio meet of the month in Walt Disney World so sit back relax relax And enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. This week's show is dedicated to Nolan Woodall, a member of the WDW Radio family, a loyal box person who joined us in chat each and every week, my aqueduct companion on the WW Radio Cruise, and a good friend who passed earlier this week. He is someone who did have a good heart. And so this show is for you, buddy. August 11th and 12th, D23. The official Disney fan club presented Destination D, 75 years of Disney animated features back once again at the Disneyland Hotel. It were, was two days filled with fun and friends and Disney legends. A few surprises and uh, and a great way to cap off a, a really wonderful weekend. And I'm joined here at Disneyland very, very late uh, after, on this Sunday after Destination D has ended with some friends who are joining me uh, to sort of Recap the weekend's events. I'm once again joined by, of course, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel.
2: Hey Lou, I, I really want to know why it's Florida here in California because I'm sitting here and it's hot and muggy and it's Florida in the summer. Just saying.
1: <laughs> I want to know why I'm not eating a corn dog. And also joining me again is Scott Otis from Otisburg. Welcome everyone. Good to be here. And Susanna from zanaland.com. Hey Lou, good to be here again and Janine from Just Janine.
3: <laughs> Hi, Lou. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you guys for joining us. I, I preface this by saying this was a weekend uh, all about friends, and it, it certainly was sort of like old home week for those of us who are D23 members. We all once again gathered for the third Destination D. Uh, we started talking before we were recording, and all of us are not only D23 members, but Destination D veterans. The first one was... Uh, Last year in Disneyland, celebrating 55 years of the Disneyland theme park. Last year it was in Walt Disney World, celebrating 40 years of Walt Disney World history. And this one was a little bit different because we sort of got away from the theme parks and talked more about 75 years of Disney animated features. So let me ask you guys generally and sort of jump in. uh, When you saw this one announced uh, by D23, having gone to the expos, having gone to Destination D's before, when you saw that was this was not about the theme parks, what was your thought? Was it something that you still knew that you wanted to come to because of how much you, we enjoyed the prior events?
0: Yeah, I knew I wanted to come to it just because it was a uh, Destination D. I would go to any of them. I, I am more of a Disney parks guy myself, so um, I was a little bit worried that if there would be enough uh, information or enough content for me to enjoy, but I I knew I wanted to see it and would be enjoyed by it.
1: Yeah, and like I said, we've we've gone to D23 Expo, which is a very different event than Destination D. For those who have never been before, D23 Expo is sort of a three-day trade show, presentations, (laughs) concerts, um, uh, you know, collector's forum filled with everything from all different branches of the, uh, the Disney company. So you have everything from... Disney merchandise, Disney theme parks, Disney animated films, Disney feature films, a collector's forum, there's fans there as well too, where this is a much smaller, we kept on using the word more intimate kind of experience, and it's really two days solely of presentations. There is no show floor, there is no sort of expo floor, and for those people who are very much interested in the history and the legacy of the Disney company whether it's the theme parks or this year animated features this is definitely the kind of event you want to go to
2: right when we did the expo like you said it has so many different facets you've got the movies you've got um, the entertainment sides and there's something for everybody there so when I saw animation I wasn't exactly sure if it was going to be more technical down the the line for technical animation or if it was going to be history and I was very pleasantly surprised
4: Uh, I agree. I I was worried, too, that it was just going to be, you know, too much of, like, not that the older animated films aren't amazing, but just I was worried that it wasn't going to be interesting enough um, compared to the other ones that have happened. But, of course, it's in Disneyland, which I would go to anyway. They could be talking about, you know, new wallpaper, and I would (laughs) sit there and listen to it. Um, But, again, I was pleasantly surprised, too. And I liked how they tied together, you know, the
3: origins of the
4: animated feature films up to present day and... It was really great. Good.
3: Yeah, I live locally, so I would agree. They could have been doing 60 years of trash receptacles, and <laughs> I would have shown up. I had, I was coming anyway.
1: That's actually next year. So you're, you're, you're you're breaking the secret. Uh, and, yeah, I think, you know, from the history, what little there is of the Death Station D events, I think we've all enjoyed them so much that no matter what the, it was going to be, you know, we had all signed up and registered before... They had announced what the schedule was. And then I think what happened was the schedule comes out and then you start to get excited about some of the things that are on there. So let's sort of go through it um, and hit day by day. You know, Friday you were able to register, uh, obviously, all the D23 events. And whether you are an animation fan, a theme park fan, a collector fan, you know, a lot of people like coming here for the merchandise. There's exclusive D23 member merchandise and obviously Destination D merchandise. So you're able to register on Friday, get to browse through some of the merchandise as well too. But the event really began... On Saturday, and it was in the grand ballroom of the Disneyland Hotel. Uh, registration began early, and lines started to form uh, as they are wont to do very early because people like getting a good seat there. We should mention that there were actually two levels of tickets this year. There was once again a Diamond Pass, which was a very limited number. What was it? Maybe 100 or so? Maybe 100 or 200. That gave you reserved seating and some special experiences on top of that as well, including a private tour of the Walt Disney Animation Studios on Monday. Uh, None of us actually part are partaking in that, but that's something so, kind of special too, in addition to uh, not having to worry about weight on Lines and some of the other things they had in there as well too, but um, it kicked off with a welcome from Stephen Clark, who is the head of Disney Animation and they really sort of took this in, uh, sorry, not Disney Animation, he's the head of D23, you can tell it's late and I haven't <laughs> had enough caffeine or corn dogs um, <laughs> but the first presentation you know, they, they, they very much I, I like how they broke it out, it was about Walt Walt Disney himself, and that first golden age of animation, and this was host, hosted by Becky Ar- uh, Becky Klein from the Walt Disney Archives, and it was Disney legend uh, Bernie Matheson, Joe Hale, and Ted Thomas were there talking about, you know, it's all about. It all started with a mouse. No, it really started with Walt. So I liked how they really tied things back to. You know, Snow White, and spe- specifically Walt Disney.
2: Yeah, they did kind of just pick up from the very beginning, which was really nice, kind of like in a chronological order over the, the two days as you're going through the schedule. But it was so great to see, uh, like Walt voicing some of the the Mickey cartoons and some of the other really beautiful pieces of um, of archive history that they had, and, and sharing it with everybody it was great.
1: One of the things that they did here, and was sort of a common thread through a lot a, a lot of these presentations where they were talking about not necessarily the films only, but the people behind them. Each individual panel would sometimes, each of the panelists would maybe talk about one of Walt's nine old men or some of these early people. And I think for a lot of those in the audience, this was really an education on some people that they they may have seen their name in the credits, but didn't know about their work.
0: Yeah, exactly. On, yeah, in this presentation, they went through actually all, all nine of the Nine Old Men, kind of showing their highlights, you know, some of their more uh, famous characters, they showed a little clip of each. And it was actually interesting, um, Ted Thomas is the son of, you know, the Disney legend, and one of the Nine Old Men, Frank Thomas, so that, you know, he had some added insight into that. So it, that part was truly amazing.
1: What about for you guys? Was this something that you were going to because you were really interested or because it was on the schedule? And what did you think of the presentation itself?
3: I always love anything relating to the the, the golden days um, when they first started with Walt Disney when he was still there, so I thought it was fascinating that that they had these guys who were who had started from the bottom in the company and basically worked their way up and and had met walt and 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 continue to work for the company today. I just thought the whole process that they described was was fascinating
4: yeah, hearing about the creative process and how you know. Walt would go into people's offices and, and just say one word or one sentence and it could change the whole course of how the the animated film was going. Things like that. I mean, everyone just loves hearing stories like that and learning about what it was like back then. Because as fans, we all you know wish we could have met Walt and wish we could have seen how things were really like. So hearing these stories from people that were really there is just like little gems that you can take home with you.
1: I think that, that for me is the big draw for the Destination D events because when you talk about Walt you're hearing from people that knew him that met him and it's one thing to read somebody's story in a book it's another thing to hear them tell it with emotion and the expressions on their faces and and with certain whether it's an anecdotal story or the reverence and respect that they tell the stories with Um, the natural progression and, and I liked where they went with this was not only just to the second gold of age of animation, but to Roy E. Disney. And this was actually hosted by Tim O'Day, who was uh, on the show... Just a week or so ago, um, I had a special show with Jeffrey Epstein and Tim O'Day. He's a historian, he's an author, but Roy Patrick Disney, who's the son of Roy Disney, was there as well. Along with Don Hahn, John Musker, Ron Clements, and Dave Bosser. Dave Bosser is, uh, is a creative director and head of special projects over at Disney Animation. And this was great because it talked about that, that next renaissance in the 80s and 90s from the guys who were there. But I really liked hearing from Roy Patrick Disney. He worked for the company for a while. He worked over at Imagineering and some other divisions. But hearing how he talked about his dad and his grandfather and, you know, when he talked about Uncle Walt, I mean, he was really talking about Uncle Walt.
0: Yeah, exactly. This presentation was actually pretty much all about Roy E. Disney and, and his involvement with the second golden age of Disney animation and you know, its resurgence. And basically his, uh, you know, fostering it back into the company after a, you know a little bit of a dark time in the late 60s and uh, early 70s, right after Walt died. so.
2: What I really loved, though, was that it brought it back to family. And they had all of the shots of the, the family doing things together, and it really showed that it was, it, it was a love, it was a, a passion of the family as a whole, and you could see it go from generation to generation. It was
1: really amazing. And it, it humanized the faces and the names.
4: Yeah, definitely. And seeing how... Um Thankful all of the people on the stage were to Roy E. Disney for, you know, as they said, saving the animation um, team and saving the company, basically. It was it was just great to see that reverence and that appreciation.
1: So following this sort of chronology, uh, they then went in the afternoon sessions to the studios today and, and sort of really gave you a sort of peek behind the curtain as they are want to do about what is going on now? So you, we got a chance to see and hear about things like Wreck-It Ralph. We watched Tangled Ever After, and we were also treated to, you know, and this is what Disney, D23 and Destination D does, is they give us exclusive opportunities that you can't get elsewhere. So we got to see Paper Man. We also got to learn how it was created, this sort of combination between computer animation and this return to, this hand-drawn and how those two things were married. That was really... I mean, people were super excited for that because I think a lot of us are very looking forward to seeing Wreck-It Ralph. But we also got a sneak peek into Frozen, yes. a, a, a film that a lot of people don't know very much about.
2: I had no idea anything about Frozen. Okay, I'm sorry. I haven't been following. But all of a sudden this came up on the screen and they showed who has been cast is the two sisters and all of a sudden, I became excited. Then they started showing the art, and I became more excited. And then they came out, and they sang one of the songs from the movie. And I can't wait to see this movie. It was incredible.
4: Uh, definitely. Seeing the concept art was just, like, it was beautiful, first of all. And seeing who's in it, and um, Idina Menzel is going to be the, uh, one of the older sister. Elsa. Elsa. Mm-hmm. And you just know instantly that they're going to be amazing songs when she's involved. So it should be incredible.
3: Yeah, I was kind of surprised that actually I, I hadn't realized how little I knew about Frozen until they started talking about it. Um, I actually thought, for me, Paperman was the big deal of that presentation because I just thought that was a phenomenal short. Um, it was very simple, but yet amazingly affecting.
1: And it's it's different because they're using a new technology, a new technique that we haven't seen before. And they they showed us the process, which I liked. And obviously that's going to premiere before Wreck-It Ralph later on this year. The next session I really, really liked. Um, I had a chance to interview Don Hahn on the show a long time ago. Um, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. So to see him up on stage talking and leading this next panel about the greatest Disney animation you never saw. And he was joined here uh, by, uh, all, again, Dave Bosser. And this is another one of the things that Destination D does, is they sort of open up the vault, they open up the archives, and let you see things that you haven't seen before. Well, and some of
0: these things... They, we actually had seen before, but a lot of the people hadn't. Uh, some stuff from the uh, theme parks, like um, the Cranium Command pre-show, and and part of the di- uh, a- animation tour at Disney MGM Studios was in there. Some of the old and a lot of the old cartoons, or I guess animated commercials that Disney did way back in the '50s and '60s.
1: It was pretty interesting. For those of us who are, this is where that connection to the theme park started to come in, because those of us who are theme park nostalgics, people lost their minds when they played Cranium mm-hmm. Command and played that <laughs> Walter Cronkite and Robin Williams Return to Neverland that used to play over at uh, Disney MGM Studio. And so, it, you know, they moved on in the in the later on. Again, everything sort of flowed one into the other, because animating the theme parks was the next session. And Tom Morris, Eddie Sato was there, and Tony Baxter, you know, and... For people to have the opportunity to see and hear from Tony Baxter in a very unscripted type of format where it's very free-flowing, it's very much sort of an open conversation that we're getting sort of listening to be a part of, bringing the animation to the theme parks was was the thing that, other than one other thing we'll talk about later, was the thing that I had circled on my menu, sort of.
0: Yeah, this was actually my favorite presentation of, of the entire Destination D. Yeah, they were actually going down by... Um, Individual artists, you know, like Herb Ryman, John Hench, Claude Coates, and Mark Davis, and, and more, and basically how what they did in animation, and then also what they did later in theme park, and how they had tied in, tied them together, and you know Tony Baxter, you know, you can listen to that guy speak for hours on end, hours on end. It's just amazing. And Eddie Sato, he he actually had a lot of insight too. I, I'm very amazed by this presentation.
1: And what I what I liked. Was what I wasn't necessarily knowing what we were going to see was again, bring it back to the people themselves. You know, hearing about a a Mark Dave, and you start to recognize their art as they start talking about it. You you hear and understand some of the characteristics of a Claude Coates, a Herbie Ryman, a John Hench, a a Mark Davis. These guys whose names you might know, but not necessarily attach something to. So watching these guys talk about it, and look, hearing Tony Baxter talk about Claude Coates who uh you know the, these guys that they worked with and that, that and that mentored them was not just sort of a um a look at them professionally but you really got a sense of them personally as well too especially guys like Herbie Ryman
2: yeah it really shows how uh, the artists pass down knowledge and information to each other from one generation to another to another and how each of the influence each other through these different projects and it I, going back to what i said before at the very beginning that i thought it was going to be very technical when in fact it it comes down to the individual's creativity and what each of these individuals brought to the table was really neat to see
3: yeah actually this was one of the presentations that i had been looking forward to most because um because i do have a special interest in the parks i really i thought it was a definite highlight i think that that the only problem with it was that it could have been twice as long yeah, because I I definitely felt um, poor Tom Morris kind of got short changed on the time, but um but it was great I enjoyed it yeah.
1: and you know as these panels are want to do some of them went long um, and this is actually a good point to mention something that they added this year that was not in any of the prior Destination Ds Tim O'Day made a big deal of this and I understand why. Because they do listen to guests, they do listen to feedback, they listen to surveys, and they built in breaks. After every panel or after every two panels, they would have a 15, 20-minute break so you can use whatever facility you would like to use, whether it be the restroom <laughs> or the coffee machine, whatever it was. And that helped, you know, and then it also gave you a little bit of a buffer if some of these things went long, too. You're right, these guys could have talked all day long, and I think we all would all have been happy. Because there was a large break later on for the evening the nice thing, too, being at the Disneyland Hotel, you can eat dinner there. You can go to downtown Disney. You can go into one of the parks, grab a bite, grab a cozy cone, and mm-hmm. then be back. But you want to make sure you got back in time to get online because this was one of the things that a lot of people were very excited about, especially those who did go to D23 Expo last year. Some of you are laughing. Stood online but were unable to see Dick Van Dyke and the Vantastics. Uh, this was a big draw last year at the Expo. A lot of people, uh, because there was so much interest in it, waited online, didn't get a chance to see it. This is where the value of these smaller uh, experiences like Destination D, I think, really play in, because you have probably under a 1,000 people in that room, and it very much felt like you were not in a giant arena. You were sort of, you know, Dick Van Dyke and the Fantastics, a sort of uh, barbershop quartet, were playing to you. It was very light, very fun, and he sang everything that you know he's famous for and some things that he was you didn't know that he could sing to.
2: That was an entire evening of nothing but smiling and giggling because not only was uh, were they going through the performances of different things from Mary Poppins and so forth um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was the thing that they came right out of the gate with which was r- amazing to me. But there was so much personality and it wasn't it wasn't a concert really. What, what do he say? that they? It was actually more like a party, an intimate party because there's a lot of stories that they tell uh, about how they met each other and then of course the performance
1: themselves and it was um, it was a great night and everybody like they lost their mind because it was being like somebody who we all sort of grew up with whether it was watching the Dick Van Dyke show or Mary Poppins or Chitty Bang Bang
4: definitely and I was one of the people that didn't get to see him at the expo and I was really disappointed when that happened because I was like when will I ever get to see him again so I was really excited and it was wonderful to be in that small setting like you said I mean even if you didn't wait in line to get an up-close seat you still had a great seat no matter where you um were and it was what was it limited to like a thousand people for Destination D so it was really an amazing like once in a lifetime experience really
1: and Dick Van Dyke is like 113 years old. He's like, <laughs> but you would never know.
0: Right. He, very. He's young at heart. Absolutely. And and just come on to hear Dick Van Dyke singing "Jolly Holiday" and "Super expialidosis, <laughs> You know from Mary Poppins. Come on. Yeah. Like you're saying the, that with a smile
1: on your face yeah. because we all sort of right. thinking
0: back on just how cool it really was. Legendary is what that is. So, yeah. And we got to see it.
2: It was great because you you could hear... Yeah, exactly. You could hear, like, the three tones. It's like, name this song in three tones because all of a sudden everyone was clapping before they even started singing because people
1: knew what was coming. And what I like, what they did again this year, uh, which they've done in past S-Nation Ds as well, too, is, you know... You could sort of pick and choose the things you want to go to. And for some people who wanted to stay, they had a screening of Walt and El Grupo, but a director's cut. So not only was the producer, um, uh, Kuniko Okubo, Okubo, there, but director Ted Thomas was there, too. Scott, you stayed, you sat through, and they sort of took you through not just the movie, but an extended version of it as well, too.
0: Right, yeah, they were actually showed us the director's cut of Walt and El Grupo. And they, they kind of told us a little bit of... Uh... Um, you know, backstory about how they they made the film and and why they added some certain scenes to it. You know, to because they, a lot had gotten left out on the cutting room floor. So, and then they showed it, and it was it was definitely a great film. I mean, you, you, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It was a very long film. You know, with the director's cut, it was uh, probably two hours and twenty minutes. After that, but. But very well worth it.
1: And look, it's a full day. I mean, you're talking yeah. going for 14 hours of, of pretty much all content from 9 o'clock in the morning till after 11.30 at night uh, for those people who wanted to stay. And again, I think this is too, there was a, a nice variety of stuff depending on if you wanted, if you enjoyed the concert, the history, the people, the movies, whatever it is. There was a little something for everybody. But first thing next morning, we were back again and it kicked off on Sunday with Wild and Wacky Disney Animation Uh, historian Jerry Beck and uh, animator and director Eric Goldberg were there too and it was hosted by Billy Stanek from D23's Disney Geek and this was one of the things that elicited a lot of quizzical looks and laughs (laughs) and stares because it was some very weird it's some wild, wacky stuff um, that we see from a variety of Disney animation not just from the movies, you know, we look at some movies like Fantasia and there's some interesting scenes there or Rick or, uh, Caballeros, whatever it is, but, you know, TV commercials and things like that as well.
0: Yeah, this was, a lot of this wasn't actually hidden footage, but it was footage that, from movies that we've seen before, but when you take it just by itself, it's actually kind of weird. And as you mentioned, you know, some of the more wacky scenes from those like uh, anthology films from the 40s were, were
1: pretty crazy. I think a lot of us probably don't remember the Becky Might, the I Like Ike commercial wow. when it went and aired on TV. Seriously, you're going
2: to go there. <laughs> really, you're going to go there. No, what what I kind of enjoyed was, well, looking at it now, Disney's so protective of its brand and its characters. And to see some of the things and that they do in the commercials with some of their characters way back when... Before I was born, I just want to make that really clear. Um, it, it was really amazing and jaw-dropping in some areas. It's going, R- really? Okay, that sounds good. But the, the commercialism was um, was fascinating.
4: I think what's funny is um, with the things that they, obviously they were weird and wild and wacky, but I think growing up seeing them, either you know, obviously not the first time they came out, um, for most of us, but seeing them on the Disney Channel or when they would uh, reissue the movies and stuff like that, you sort of—if you grow up with it—it it doesn't seem that weird at the time. Like, and then seeing it out of context, you're like, "Oh, I guess that is kind of a crazy thing." So it was fun hmm. to see them portrayed
3: in that way. Like, this is a strange thing that Disney put out. What were they thinking? <laughs> what I thought was also kind of nice was that they—they um, they did a highlight feature on Ward Kimball, whose animation kind of. Epitomizes sort of the weird and wacky periodically, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that and then also those those way old um, steamboat Willie era cartoons <laughs> where Mickey was was a little
1: more more physics. Yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was a very <laughs> all of a sudden
2: I was wondering what w- why because all of a sudden the poor kitty is being tossed around by its tail and the and the what no, was, it was the, the dog the
1: pig. <laughs> oh. It was from what the uh, the barn. Um, the barn concert, the, part, not the not no, the barn. Steamboat Willie was part of yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was.
2: And and the uh, the barn dance. The barn dance. Where, oh, where yeah. he was stepping oh, yeah, all over dance. her feet, all over Mickey was <laughs> abusing <laughs> yeah. poor Minnie's feet in in a dance that
1: they were the attempting raps, to yeah, do. <laughs> was. It was not something you
2: would expect from the Disney brand <laughs> <laughs> of today. My,
1: how things have changed. Yes. Uh, you know, they even talk about how you know now. You will never see a Disney character like touching a product. Where you know back then, Mickey was juggling. Remember Mickey's Magic cereal? I so know. yeah, oh, wow, yes, <laughs> it turned the milk blue. Remember? Yes,
2: What could that possibly cereal. go wrong?
1: Um, <laughs> the next presentation, I was more intrigued by who gave it than it was the title. So it was drawing with personality. It was ten o'clock in the morning, but it was hosted by famed Disney animator Andres Deja and it's a name that if you are a fan of Disney animation you know very very well and it was not just sort of a history lesson of where he was actually bringing copies of the hand-drawn pencil sketches and the colors that these guys did in, in the early concept stages but it was a drawing lesson too you know he took us through the process of creating these characters and giving them emotion having um people share ones that that Uh, they had done as well because they gave out sketchbooks I forgot to mention there was a few surprises they gave out stuff every day too the first was the first morning we all got um, sketchbooks with Mary Blair art Mm -hmm. three different Mary Blair art Uh, there was another piece of artwork that we got at the end of day one that had images from Tangled Ever After uh, Frozen and Paperman Paper and, and Wreck-It Ralph okay sorry Wreck-It Ralph um, so he asked people to sort of draw in their sketchbooks and he was sort of looking at and critiquing their, he has a way to draw uh-huh. sort of a Jafar as a young child so it was interesting that but it, it, that was um, a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be because again he's sort of taking things out of the archives that none of us had a chance to see before
3: yeah and then he also showed a lot of examples from each of the the nine old men animation and and sort of went over like what were their high you know what were their specialties, which things did they do you know most particularly well uh, I thought it was very interesting although i I think some of those drawings I suspect them of being ringers because some of them looked very good. <laughs>
1: Or there's some really talented people in the, in the D23 audience. Mm-hmm. Um, next was Tinkerbell, an evolution of a Disney character. This was hosted by Mindy Johnson. Now, I think a lot of people, when they saw this, you know, they saw that Margaret Carey was on there and Margaret Carey God bless her. I love her for so many reasons because she's cute and she's a hugger and she's made, you know, sort of a second career out of sharing her stories of being the model for Tinkerbell. But for the first time ever, they brought together people who not only were involved in the original Peter Pan Tinkerbell, but sort of the new Tinkerbell as well. So Ginny Mack was there too. She was one of the original Tinkerbell models, voice artist. Mae Whitwin was there, an animation director Peggy Holmes, as well as um, animation historian Mindy Johnson. So they sort of took us through the genesis of Tinkerbell from Peter Pan to what we have now and the new movie that's coming out, hearing from the people who continue to sort of act as that reference model for her, uh, as well as uh, the girl who's now been the voice of Tinkerbell for, you know, like for my kids, sort of a, for a new generation.
3: Uh, yeah, so this was kind of an interesting um, panel. I think Mindy Johnson, uh, she was saying that she's a, I think she's a Tinkerbell historian, basically, who is going to have a book out, and she had done a lot of research. And she had one of the big deals was that she had recently uncovered Ginny Mack, who was the original facial model for Tinkerbell back in the day, and then of course you had, so you had her, you had Margaret Carey, who was the original body model for Tinkerbell you had um, you had the director of the new Tinkerbell series and the voice again from the new series so they really kind of i think that they felt that it was a special experience because you basically had all of them together and and as may um, whitman said it took like all four of them to make up just one tiny pixie
1: but it works and and i think like all of destination d they go you know from Early history to the, the present and the future too, so I sort of bring things around full circle. Uh, another one I really, really enjoyed, and I think all of us when we were talking about recapping the day, the voices um, behind the the faces that we see. So hearing voices, a salute to Disney voice artists, was one of the ones that we really, really enjoyed because you now have faces and stories to a lot of the characters. Like a Pinocchio, like an Alice and Wendy Darling, uh, characters from 101 Dalmatians, the voice of Goofy, the voice of Stitch. So you have all these people, some of who are Disney legends, some of whom will be Disney legends in the future, sharing the process, sharing the story. Um, and it was interesting to see how things have changed. Um, you know, hearing Bill Farmer, who's been the voice of Goofy, you know, again, he's a guy you can hear talk about uh, his role for hours. As well as like Chris Sanders, and who was not only a director on Lilo and Stitch, but was the voice of Stitch too.
4: Yeah, it was great to um, hear all of the stories. Even you know for uh, the characters that may not be the lead roles in animated the classic animated films, but they all have a story of how they were picked, mostly by Walt. And you know their first time meeting him, it was great to hear their little backgrounds and everything.
2: What I loved particularly was closing your eyes and
1: listening to them speak. Oh, I thought i my closing your eyes and sleeping. <laughs> no,
2: no, no. As, as these people were talking about their history and what they did and, and their uh, their memories of, of creating these characters, it was neat to just close your eyes and you could hear, except for Stitch, obviously. That was a more <laughs> difficult one to pick out. But you could really hear the person's voice and you could hear the character somewhat hidden b- behind their real voice, which I found that very cool. The,
1: uh, the Snow White, you know, again, this is 70, you know, 75 years of Disney animated features. And the importance of Snow White, I think, sometimes is lost on people. And so having an entire session about Snow White, still the fairest of them all, may have almost seemed like a lot of time to spend on a film. But Tim O'Day did a great job of helping to explain why and how this film was so significant, not just to Walt and to the Disney company, but animation history itself. Uh, there was also... 93 years young Marge Champion, who was the live action reference model for Snow White. Uh, we later heard from uh, Gabriella Calicchio, uh, the CEO of the Walt Disney Family Museum, and musicologist and s- historian Alex Ranny. So we got a little um, peek into everything from the characters to the music to now where we can learn more about s- Snow White uh, by going to visit the Walt Disney Family Museum.
2: I had to go and leave and get in
1: line. <laughs> uh, so, Janine, um... Oh, I right, just got
3: So, actually, one of the things that I thought was just remarkable when I first saw the schedule was that Marge Champion, who I did not even know was still alive, was going to be there. And I just thought it was phenomenal that she came on and she literally looked like about 30 decades younger than what her stated age was. I mean... If I was in that good shape now, I would be pretty <laughs> happy. but I, I just think that it, it was great to see all of these talks where you saw these you saw these people that were connected with the films from way back then, and it was clear that they were they had such pride in the job that they did and in the work that they did and it was it was still after all this time such a big highlight along with their connection with the disney company now
1: and again, this was another example of them touching on the very, very early history bring it all the way forward to what's going on at the Family Museum now and and some things that are coming up in the future. They had a bonus featurette uh, called Once Upon a Mouse, but I think a lot of people, all of us included, could not wait, and this is the thing that if I saw nothing else I knew I wanted to see, was the no better way to cap off A Great Weekend than with an evening with Alan Menken, uh, you know the name. His, uh, you know, filmography and biography reads like a who's who of Disney animated films: from *Tangled*, *Enchanted*, *Little Mermaid*, *Beauty and the Beast*, *Aladdin*, *Hunchback of Notre Dame*, L- *Little Shop of Horrors*, *Home on the Range*. You know, he is the uh, highest Oscar winner highest living Oscar winner with eight Oscars. He joked about how every time he put out a film he won two Oscars. He just figured that's what, what was happening. <laughs> this was such a treat because we've heard from Richard Sherman in the past. We, you know, Dick Van Dyke was at destination uh, the Expo last year. But Alan Menken does not do this. He does not do concerts. He, this is just not the way he performs. He is a composer. But what I loved about this was not just hearing sort of the music behind the master that created it. I felt as though I was the only guy in the room, that I was sitting like in his house with him at the piano, just telling stories, playing snippets from these songs and bringing us through his career. Now, I, I had the privilege of interviewing him uh, about a year ago. I'll put the link in the show notes. And I learned so much. And, but this was there was nothing like here. And the, Seriously, <laughs> I'm putting my hand to my head. People lost their minds with this.
2: And, and you had to have tissues with you as well. And by the way, I like his name. It's spelled a little bit differently, but I like his name. I'm just, just saying. But I'm glad you picked up on that same thing because I felt like we were in a living room. And he was telling us the stories of all of this fantastic... I mean, going through his portfolio of work, your show wasn't even long enough <laughs> to cover all the lists of accomplishments this man has made. And there's everything from his, his ability to sing... Emotion and create emotion through it's it was just fantastic, and I know I'm saying that a lot to through this um, interview, but I will tell you, it was just one of those a special couple of days. And if I saw nothing else for Destination D, that would have been worth the admission.
1: Somebody who I was sitting with leaned over to me and he's like, I can't believe this. He's like, I am reliving my childhood, like as he's going through all these songs. Yeah,
0: this was really amazing, uh, just hearing him go through his entire. Of revoir of, of music, uh, he wasn't necessarily playing every, you know, the full song from, from beginning to end, but a lot of snippets, and you know he would, in between each one, kind of give a little bit of story about, you know, how, where he was in his career when he wrote that song and, and performed it. So there was a lot of backstory to it, too, and I enjoyed that.
4: Yeah, and hearing some of the unreleased songs that, you know, maybe... He wrote, and they would never made it into a film or a show. That was, a, you know, such a special treat. It was definitely, like I said before, a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see this this whole concert
3: experience.
1: Raise your hand if you cried. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's everybody.
3: <laughs> um, so what I thought, and I think I told Becky this earlier, um, is I I thought it was going to be a, a good night, but. I didn't really expect to, to find it as special because I thought, well, okay, I've heard the songs. You know, you've heard Beauty and the Beast, you've heard The Little Mermaid. But I think that you hear it so many times, you become kind of inured to it. You, you forget how special it is. And to just sit there and really listen to it and then remember why it was so good, why it was so special, I,
1: I think it was a great night. I think a testament, too, to just how and why this was so special was we saw as we were entering that room... And as we turned around on the riser behind us, the dozens, literally dozens of Disney legends who were there in the audience, not for the entire Destination D, but came in for this concert, including Richard Sherman, Bob Gurr, Floyd Norman, uh, Charlie Ridgway, Alice Alice Davis was there. I mean, it literally spanned generations of these legendary imaginators and artists who came in specifically to see that concert. And so in another series of firsts, uh, as we bring this year's Destination D here out in Disneyland to a close, uh, this is actually my first time of being the very last guest in Disneyland, as we were just uh, to give you an idea of what time it is uh, when we're leaving the parks. But, you know, clearly we we all enjoyed the presentations. Uh, We were completely enamored with what we saw in terms of the Alan Menken concert. My question somewhat rhetorical is, you know, how do they beat this? How do they sort of one-up this? We said the same thing last year when Richard Sherman gave his concert with the Dreamfinder in in Walt Disney World. Uh, certainly never thinking that they would have something like an Alan Mencken concert. Who knows what they're going to do next year? But for me, I think they continue to uh, validate my belief in D23. I think that they are continuing to... Um, you know, get people excited about it. I was tweeting a lot from the event, trying to share pictures, not to be like, hey, look at where we are, but look at what you need to come and see. What I saw from people was, I really wish I was there. I need to come back next year. What are sort of your feelings, sort of as a general takeaway, not just from the event itself, but from D23 and Destination D and even the Expo, which is coming up literally like almost a year to the day from today?
4: I think, um, like you said, you know, everyone was tweeting us back and saying, oh, I'm so jealous, I wish I was there, because you need to see that this is what Destination D is all about and what D23 puts together, these amazing events. Um, Definitely, it's something that you need to put on your to-do list because I've learned so much in the past. I've been to now three D23 events like this, Destination D in Florida, here, and then uh, the last expo and it's just I've learned so much about history that I didn't know before and it's it's just a great way to um, enhance your knowledge and love of the company in general the parks the animation you know everything it's, if you're a Disney fan and you just want to take it to that next level it's definitely something that you need to do
1: I think there's something else too for this you know something I've always tried to do with not just the show and and you know going way back from when I started the forums but like meet to the month and event is to foster a sense of community. I don't mean just a WW radio community. I mean a community of Disney fans. And I think that's what you know look D23 is the official fan club, not to sort of replace anything else that's going on but to sort of complement that. Do you sort of get the sense that when you come to these events certainly you're surrounded by like-minded people too, but it is sort of fostering a sense of community because we are also excited about the same things that we're seeing? It
2: gives you access to me. It gives you access to the legends. It gives you access to the history. And it gives you access to other Disney fans who get it. Because I think we all have friends and family members that look at us like we have two heads. when We're saying, we're going to Disney again. And when you come into an environment like this, you have a thousand other people who all feel like you do and have this love and passion for the same thing. So D23, to me, just allows me that access to the history, to the people, to the legends, to the animators, to the artists, and to each other.
1: And I saw people coming as groups of friends, as, as many of us did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw people that came solo because they knew that it was the kind of thing where you could go and attend it individually, but you did sort of have that sense of, you know, it's like a trade show conference where so much of the, the networking happens in the hallway. Or here, that networking, that friendship building happens in line. That happens <laughs> while you're waiting for food or waiting for the next presentation. And we see a lot of that happening. And we see a lot of friendships forming and people leaving the presentations with new friends, going to eat, and look, having it here at Disneyland or when it's out in Walt Disney World, being able to enjoy the parks and now Cars Land and Buena Vista Street and the new Matterhorn,
2: what I really love about it, though, is that it does also happen on both coasts. So it is bringing the, the access I was talking about to those people on the West Coast and to the East Coast so that there's um, hopefully opportunity for as many people as possible to uh, attend
1: these because it really is a must-do for a Disney fan. I agree. And I think a lot of us walked out of here saying, well, what are they going to do next? I'm so psyched for D23 Expo, which is coming next uh-huh. August. Yeah. 9th and 9th and 10th, I believe, 2013. I know tickets are on sale over at D23Expo.com. Um, you know, I've been saying for a long time, it's a great time to be a Disney fan. I think it's, D23 is really showing, too. It's a great time to be a D23 member because of these kind of events, the other special events they're doing, the fan anniversaries, the thing they're bringing around the country, too. Um, and again, I think this one was one... We all, who are theme park people, are like, I'm going because I love the... the but we really are sort of leaving with a great experience. So um, I look forward to next Destination D, hopefully out in Walt Disney World. Interesting to see what direction they take it next. Uh, They seem to always be full of surprises. So I want to thank all of you, including Scott Otis from Otisburg, Janine from just Janine, Susanna from zanaland.com, and Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Travel. Thank you guys for sharing in my Destination D experience and for the friendship and... uh, you know, uh, again, this goes to sort of how much we enjoy things like food at the cozy zone. <laughs> these kind of events are best enjoyed with friends. Absolutely, That's
2: very true. And we'll see at Expo. I guess we need to start yes, planning right. that. Let's go plan so Expo.
1: Booth again at the Expo. Yeah, whatever's yeah. going to
2: happen <laughs>
1: after that, we'll cozy be there too. Cozy the Expo. <gasps> <gasps> <Ooh. laughs> I'm making notes. <laughs> oh. More dogs too. Late night more dogs. It's time for the Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I challenge you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or the details or experiences in the parks. Maybe see how well you pay attention to the lines from shows or attractions. Ask you to identify where in Walt Disney World you may have heard those clips. I'll take all the correct entries, randomly select one winner for a chance to win a Disney prize package. But before we get to this week's question, let's go back to last week, review the question, and choose our winner. Until so last week... The show was all about my conversation with Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle, so I asked a Beauty and the Beast related question, but tied it to Walt Disney World. I said that the show is performed multiple times daily. Beauty and the Beast live on stage is performed multiple times daily over at the Theater of the Stars on Sunset Boulevard in Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that attraction premiered on November 22nd, 1991. So, my question to you was what was the significance of that date? And I even gave you a hint. I said that something else tied to the film happened that day. So what was it? Why was that date important? And the reason why November 22nd, 1991 is important, not just for the debut of the stage show at Hollywood Studios, but on that same day, that's when the animated feature film opened in theaters across the U.S. So it was the first time that a stage show in Walt Disney World opened on the exact same day as the movie that inspired it. Congratulations and thanks to the hundreds of you that sent in the correct answer this week. We can only select one, and this week's winner is Mark Angelo. So Mark, congratulations. Please send me your address. I'll get out your prize package of the audio tours, the luggage tags, the buttons, and the Vinylmation as well. If you didn't win, that's okay, because here is this week's Disney, somewhat world, trivia question of the week. So I spoke about Destination D. I enjoyed the event so much this week, including getting a chance to meet some people who I'd interviewed in the past, like uh, Don Hahn. I'll link to that interview in this week's show notes. But the big highlight for me was the Alan Menken concert. The scope of his work is immense. It goes far beyond even the Broadway and Disney animated films that you probably know and recognize. And in addition to creating a song for a Disney theme park, He also wrote a song for a recent live-action Disney film as well. So tell me, what Disney live-action movie did Alan Menken recently provide an original song for? I'll give you a hint. He didn't score the film. He just created this single song for it. You have until Sunday, August 19th at 11.59pm to send your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. Again, I'll include all six of my audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, WDW Radio luggage tag, a button, and some special things I brought back from Disneyland and Destination D. Simple question, just tell me the recent Disney live action film that Alan Menken composed an original song for for your chance to win. So good luck and have fun! that's gonna do it for this week's show thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week in addition to the recap this week be sure and visit the website over at wdwradio.com I had an opportunity over the two days to sit down in round robin style format and interview many of the speakers presenters Disney legends and celebrities who presented during Destination D I took out some excerpts from those interviews, and I'm going to put them in the show notes this week uh, over at www.radio.com so you can listen to them there, get a little bit more hearing some QA with some of the presenters and celebrities from Destination D. I'd also like to hear your comments whether you've been to Destination D, maybe now that you've heard more about this and some of the events they've done in the past, is this something you're looking forward to attending in the future? please come by, leave your comments. Let's keep the conversation going over on the site at wdwradio.com. While you're there, be sure and check out the blog. We've got lots of new blog posts every day now, including contests, polls, lots of new information from guest contributors, new videos, our fun, friendly, family-friendly discussion forums, and lots more. There you can also find out about upcoming WDW Radio events, including our Meet of the Month. The next Meet of the Month is going to be Sunday, August 26th. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., that's going to be over at Roaring Forks Snacks at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. We can sit down, get a chance to meet one another, maybe grab a bite, and possibly even maybe explore and tour the lodge a little bit as well, too. You can find out about more about this, the events page. You can RSVP there by visiting wdwradio.com and clicking on the events tab. You can also find out and order tickets for our WDW Radio e-ticket event, our evening at the American Adventures Club. This event is almost sold out. It's going to be a private dinner, an exclusive show in the American Adventure Pavilion Friday, September 28th, kicking off Epcot's 30th anniversary. It's going to be a show, something like the Adventures Club, but something I promise you, you've never seen before. We're also going to be joined by some Disney artists, Imagineers, possibly a legend or two. Really going to be a great time. Again, you can find out more and purchase your tickets on the events page there as well best ways to stay connected and keep updated on everything that's going on is to connect with me whether it's twitter facebook pinterest google if you visit www.radio.com, you'll find links to all those or you can visit ww.radio.com slash connect to see all the different ways but i'm on twitter i'm at lumangello and it's facebook.com slash lumangello as well Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. They're my official and recommended travel provider. You know, their site is over at mousefantravel.com. When you're coming to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to stay in a vacation home, something a little bit larger, go visit allstarvacationhomes.com. And the Swan and Dolphin is located right in the heart of Walt Disney World. Heavenly beds, world-class restaurants, lots more at swananddolphin.com. You want to get some Disney magic delivered to you every other month or on your iPad? Subscribe and order back issues at celebrationspress.com for Celebrations Magazine. And if you love food in Walt Disney World as much as I do, you gotta check out the Disney Food Blog Guide to Dining at Walt Disney World, 300 pages of information, 20% discount by using code Radio over at DFBGUIDE.COM. Definitely go and check those and the other books out as well. As always, my friends, and you are my friends whether we have met yet or not, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tell your friends. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Pinterest or Google And please come by, rate and review the show in iTunes. Very much appreciated. Very, very helpful. And finally, and most importantly, the real shortcut to achieving your goal and living your dream each and every day is by taking no shortcut at all. So get out there. Be awesome. And as Walt said, always, keep moving forward. Thank you all so, so very much for taking the time and listening this week. Thanks again to everybody who I met out in Disneyland and Destination D and to the guys at D23 for another great event. So I hope you guys have a phenomenal week this week. I'll see you in the box or on next week's show. So until next time, see ya.
3: Hi Wu, this
0: is uh, Tony from Illinois, also known as Backside of Water in the Box and I just got done listening to the interview with Paige O'Hare, and it it was amazing. It was especially amazing watching you conduct the interview live in the box on Saturday at the uh, Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. I can't believe that after all these years, she sounds pretty much exactly like Belle still. And Belle's always been one of my favorite princesses because I I love them. Well, Red Woman. And it was just great. Keep up the great work with the uh shows and I will see you Wednesday for the
3: newscast. Bye. Oh my gosh, Lou. I'm listening to uh, episode I think it's two eighty five, you and E. K are talking about snacks at Epcot. I'm driving home, it's five o'clock starving and I'm jonesing for Disney World so bad. It's an awesome, yeah. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work, thanks. Hey Lou, this is Crystal from Texas calling. I just wanted to leave a voicemail and say hello. And I love listening to WW Radio Show. Your
1: podcasts
3: are just really fun and always for me to just brighten up my day usually. And I love just getting all this really cool Disney info about Walt Disney and all the Disney theme parks in the world. And I just I think that all the hosting that you do and all the interviews and stuff, I just listened listen to the Pedro O'Hara interview, and I thought it was really fun and really cool. And I hope someday I can get out to a meet and greet, but at this point, I'm going to set off with voicemails and, you know, I'll pay you back to you at any point. You know, I will try and send you an email for some stuff that I found out online recently, but I will keep listening, I promise, and I am informing others to listen as well. Thank you very much, and have an awesome day. Thanks. You've got a